And joining us now is AFL record editor Ash Brown live in the studio. Ash, it's good to have you back. Hello, Kane. Good to be back with you. Hello, Jared. Nice to see you again. Is that a change of title, the AFL record editor? Yes, there has been. There's been changing of the guard Hello. over summer. Did you get a new office? Yeah, well, we've moved to a different part of the office. So right, okay. Te- technically, yes. So uh, looking forward to shaping the record. No wonder we all had to take a, pain cut, a pay cut, Kane. <laughs> I know. So what? Tell, tell us about the, the role, Ash, then. Well, it's just putting together the magazine on a weekly basis. We've done the pre-season fantasy record is already out that uh, you, you're a part of, Kane. But, uh, yeah, it's just Mickey Lovett, after a very distinguished career, is uh, hanging it up. Well, he's going to come back a couple of days a week to help out, which will be fantastic. But, uh, yeah, a chance to step into the big chair. And, uh, and, you know, it's a brilliant product and does so many things right, but also a chance to tweak a few things and try a few things as well. Okay. So that'll be good. Change of leadership, change of uh, tune. A bit like Woolworths CEO. Let's hope, uh, <laughs> let, let's hope uh, our guest doesn't walk out of a Four Corners interview. What do you think about that uh, interview? I didn't see the interview, but I've, I've seen the rea- reaction extraordinary. But to walk out halfway through the interview because you don't, don't like the questions is uh, a reflection on the comms people. I had a look at, at it today. I had a look at it today. It was, it was. I don't know. I, I think he went in there with uh, with a, an open heart, and he didn't expect to be stitched up. And uh, when he when he asked for, oh, can you take that one out? I basically said, no, 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 this is a bang. <laughs> See you later. Yeah, this but, is too good to, to use. But a CEO of that stature has got to be better prepared. Sure. Well, you've got to you've know all got the be... things narrows are going to be coming your way, Kane. Yeah, it was amazing, the, the lack of media yeah. training that he had. That, that's what stood out. I thought the Coles CEO, Leah Weckert, I think her name is, handled herself pretty well. And there was nothing you could really poke holes at with her responses. She was calm. <laughs> she was measured. She'd clearly done media before, but... Old mate Brad, it was like a rabbit in the headlines. Didn't know what he was doing. Um, if and if that, you know the Four Corners wants to talk to you, you, you know you're in trouble. You, you cram and you cram and you prepare and you do every single scenario planning. But it you wasn't can. like he walked out on a live interview. Is my point. It was like this pre-recorded interview. And it's a he bit asked, grey, isn't it? He asked. Yeah. He asked for an edit. Yeah, you're not yeah it's a grey area. Not yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, he's gone. Uh, uh, it's good to have you back. Uh, there's it's been a lot be that has Jared. transpired <laughs> since you were with us last time, Ash. Uh, what did you make of the summer of sport? Uh, the cricket, we got them. I mean, we didn't have great hopes for the summer of cricket, and we probably didn't get it until that last test. That, uh, that was good fun, wasn't it? Shamar Joseph was fantastic. That last test yeah. against... Uh, that, that, that was the old days, Kane, of the whole country stopping to watch a test match, which we don't have that often, but the country was intrigued by that final test. Uh, so It's good for cricket. That's the problem. Oh. I mean, we were talking last night to uh, one of the more esteemed uh, cricket journalists who said we didn't win in every game. We don't want to win every game. Mm. You feast every day, you never feast at all. I mean, this was exciting because we were going to lose, strangely enough. Oh, it was a fantastic result for cricket. It just the, it's just what the, the sport needed. So that saved the summer of cricket from being a sort of pretty much a, a yawn. The tennis was good. Um, we had a, we had a few exchanges, didn't we, Jared, about some of the uh, scheduling. Oh yeah, uh, tennis Australia scheduling was ridiculous. You know, matches. You, know, the, the you could argue session. it. You could argue. Yeah, it cost Medvedev the the tournament. Mm. Uh, yeah, he ran out of steam, didn't he? In the, he did. in the final, up two sets. So, yeah. I mean, they try to spin it with the, you know two extra sessions on the Sunday, yeah, the no. first Sunday, but that's just nonsense. I mean, at the end of the day, you, once the first once the first round's in for three days, it's the same schedule as always, pretty much. So. They've got to work out. I, I don't. I think it's foolish to try and have met singles and two, two yeah. singles matches in the evening session. They're going to be caught out more often than they're not. Can I just get this off my chest before we go further? This is more down your uh, your uh, line of thinking, given you're the wordsmith. The prevalence of the term "off of" 
by American journalists. Jim Courier is the one that stands out, who's an outstanding commentator. But instead of saying off the racket, it's off of the racket. And I've actually seen it printed. <laughs> off of. It's a, it, and I've actually heard it in American um, TV shows. It's not an Australian sort of affliction, but it's very much an American affliction. Off of the racket, off of the bench. Yeah, I've, well, I've only picked it up a couple of times, Jared, but uh, they, Courier is the preeminent Australian tennis mm. commentator in some ways because he's so ubiquitous through our summer. So it's become part of the vernacular, a bit like uh, versing has become just uh, mm. part of the I don't of think it it's well. caught on just yet, but uh, let's hope it doesn't. Now I'm going to be all over that. I'm going to, I haven't heard it yet. Off of. And it, oh, I'm sure I've heard it, but yeah. it hasn't sort of struck me like it has you. But now it will, now that I'm Good. aware of Good. it, I'll be hearing it. Hey, Doc, can I ask you whether Nick Kyrgios cuts through as a tennis commentator? He dabbled in writing a little bit, um, I think it was for The Age and the, the Sydney Herald, and he backed away from one of the col- columns that he had written. Clearly, it was ghost-written, and perhaps he hadn't proofread what was written because he backed away from the retirement talk quicker than it was printed. And then he was doing some commentary as well, which didn't go through the mainstream. But do you think he cuts through as a commentator, Ash? I think he's outstanding. If I was advising Nick Kyrgios, I'd be saying, finish up playing and oh, get started in the commentary. Rubbish. I that, can't take it. That is oh, I disagree. Yeah, I just can't take it. I mean, he hasn't won a major. He should have three. I mean, he's not going to win any more majors. But, so what's the point? Why? Why does he, he keep could, playing? He could still win one. What? What does he have? To, does he have any tactical now? Can he take you inside what the players are thinking as it gets tough into a he, fifth set? He, Can he talk about the attrition that's required well, in tennis <laughs> and to go for seven games across two? No, 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 no. He, he can't. So got, what can he offer? He's got a big serve. And a lot of talent. He's not known for his attrition. I'll give you that card. Oh, however, or, he's or he's technical now. However, I would posit that he is the Pied Piper of tennis. And as this is a sport that's trying to develop itself and grow different markets. And the the young people, as they're called these days, the young Kane, people, the young people love yeah. him. Yeah. They love him. So I would encourage him. If he's not going he should try. He's got he, plenty he, of time to come. He though. should have one last crack at Wimbledon, I agree, because that is the one, one he can win. He's only 28. Curious. Yeah, but his body's... Sorry, not curious. Um... Djokovic is 38. He's got 10 years if he Mm. wants. I know he doesn't want to, but he's been saying that for a few years. I suspect he's still desperate to win a title. I hope you're right. It would be fantastic if he won one, but I just don't know whether he's got the... uh I'm not sure whether he's got the mental fortitude to go through what it takes to win a Grand Slam, but he could make a very handy uh, earner for himself in the media. Mm. Uh, the Super Bowl was a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, pretty, as Jared described yesterday, boring first half, average halftime entertainment, and then a thrilling second half and overtime. I thought average halftime was very uh, complimentary for you. <laughs> okay. yeah. he, was... said, he said meatloafish, to use his exact words. Uh, I actually skipped the halftime show. I did a couple of things, but it was... A great Super Bowl in the end, Carl. I know you're a massive fan, as am I, but the numbers. I mean, I was just going through the numbers today. Channel 7 had 2.7 million. ESPN had 340,000 people. That's at 10 o'clock on 10 on a Monday morning. So put that into perspective, those numbers, for those that are just hearing the number, put, put it up against the that grand is, final. That is top five. That is top 15, top 20 most watched sporting event in the country for the year. For the, and without the, having da- things in front the of daytime it. of a Monday. Yeah, it is, it's an unofficial, I've said this before, it's a day off now for any for blokes <laughs> and women now, 18 to 50, it's an unofficial or official so day So how off. much is it growing? How much is Americans, because it's all it's all my kids are into, it's all their mates are well, into. Let me put so it in perspective, Kane. I reckon uh, having done this show for a long time, 30 years ago, it was a it might have been third hour. Yep. Uh, and now it's probably the opener mm. for the for yeah. the show. And, well, that says it all, really. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think the Kelsey Taylor Swift factor played into an enormous way. But people just are really getting into the sport. It's a great sport to watch in, to- in time shifting. It's a long sport, but the audience are more sophisticated. There's real groundswell, I think, for the game. I think I mentioned on my segments late last year that uh, Peter King, who's a doyen of NFL writers, has laid out the scenario by which they could play a game in Australia, playing game Brazil to open the, se- in the first weekend of the season in September. And I think that goes well. They can- Australia's next cap off the rank, surely, because the interest is here. So... It's now into the mainstream sports. I can't believe when I was at the age 30 years ago begging the subs to put three paragraphs of NFL scores <laughs> in the paper to what it's become now. It's quite mm. extraordinary. So in the NFL have done a super job. They've created a really uh, a sport that's now... I mean, I, it sounds wrong to say, but I mean, it must be challenging the Premier League in terms of interest now in, amongst Australians. What's your mm. expectation for uh, the rugby league experiment in Vegas? Fascinated by it, um, see how it goes. I think there'll be a big curiosity factor. I mean, the stadium works, the rectangular field, and that's why I could never, there's no real place for AFL football. Here's a question for both of you. Why wouldn't, given that cricket is now making big strides in the United States, and they're building a couple of custom-made cr- uh, cricket stadiums, and they're gonna, the T20 World Cup is going to have games there, why wouldn't the AFL partner with cricket for one ground and put some money into one of these cricket grounds? I mean, and be converted to, to AFL ready. In America? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think we do what we've done uh, for 200 years and then just <laughs> let cricket build the ovals and then <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll, we'll in. jump on board. Yeah, it's a good right. time for the NRL to be there, though, off the back of this Super Bowl. Like, the hype that's been there, there'll be a little bit of what's going on and um, the, the party city and the Taylor Swift, all of that. So they'll get to flow on the back of that audience mm. and the timing is pretty good. For them, now you mentioned your role at uh, the record now, which has changed, but what hasn't changed is your AFL movers and shapers. It is out, 1 to 50. Um, I, I don't know where you want to start with this, Ash. Let's start with number one. Who's got it? It's normally Jerry's domain to pick this. To I haven't had a good look at it this year. I've uh, been in Japan when I normally. Uh, uh, assessing your ones to fifties. Oh, Andrew Dillon was number one, but the AFL CEO tends to get that mm. uh, position most years. Um, I went for Paul Marsh at two, uh, Laura Kane at three. I think football at the AFL has been given a big uh, kick along. I think there was, a, you know, we talked about this before, the core business Kane of the AFL. Some would say neglected, but Laura Kane's pretty much been able to come in and re and sort of what's rebuild. She done yet? What's she done? Well, she's rebuilt the football department. She's yeah, brought some heavy weights in. Done though, yet. Well, I think first getting the right people in. This is the year we'll see what she, when she starts to do things. But she's yeah. put in a pretty strong team, I would have thought, around her. Even getting people like sort of Joel Selwood and Aaron Phillips into the building, I think, will be uh, a benefit for her. Kylie Rogers at four. And Patrick Dangerfield, who pretty much can do what he likes in football, I think. He rounds out the top five. Where else do you want to go? You've seen it, Kane. Do you reckon it'll be his last year, Dangerfield? Well, not from Chris Scott's remarks today. It was suggested uh, yesterday that he's, he's flying and there might be... Probably squeeze out two more years, but I think, yeah. How old is he now? 33, 34. Yeah, might be a touch older. Yeah, uh, I think it'll be, I think he might squeeze out two more years. Depending on how Geelong go this year. If, if Geelong really, if they, this is the year they crash and burn that we keep talking about and they decide to rebuild, maybe that's will be the end for him. But he's got such a bright future in pretty much whatever he wants to do. Is it hard to narrow it down to 50? Like, you're always oh, yeah. a, a stretch to. No, get it's, it's to 50. I mean, I, I usually have a list of about 65, 70 that I start to cull, and some really sort of good people didn't get in. The two that I would like to have got in, uh, well, certainly one that after this went to print would have been Ross Lyon, who didn't get in. But like, given what's happened at St Kilda, I think he does get in. If I was doing the list right now because of uh, his moves to pretty much 
build you know, the, the club is built around him to such a degree now. And having a glance at it, I must admit, uh, I was surprised that he wouldn't have got in, and, and I could pick a ten that should have not been in ahead of him. Yeah, yeah. if like I said if I'm doing it now, that once the left lean act went through, I thought no, that will if I had my, in my time again, I, Ross, I would. Who was the who in. was the highest placed coach? Was it Craig McRae or Chris Scott? Uh, Craig McRae at eleven is the high. I mean, I just at eleven, I just think he's sort of reshaping. Coaching, I mean, the way he, his approach to it, and then with the Collingwood Premiership and all the story out of last year about, you know, from grand final day with the birth of his daughter and what have you, I just think he's, he's, he's casting coaching in a different lens. Everyone wants to be like the Premiership coach and they want to ape the Premiership coach. It'll be fascinating to see whether more coaches go down that path, sort of the path he's, he has mm. taken. But it's Chris Scott and John Long might get in because of their seniority and, and mm. what they've done for the game. Hardwick. Damien Hardwick, he gets in because... His role, and we're actually going to write a... That's our round zero cover story, is the dimmer effect for the up Gold Coast. He's got to sell the code more than... He, as much as he's got to coach the team, and that's the part of the role I'm really looking forward to seeing. Is he ready to and willing to be the front man for the Seems game? Seems to be. He's saying all the right things about game development, which I've never heard him say prior. He's never been a big-picture talking coach. Um, from he's, never, he's never needed to be. He just had to coach. Understand his, that, but yeah. now, uh, now, it, like everything is about the yeah. good of the game, in on the on the Gold Coast. Yeah, I mean, Walsey. It goes back to the time of Walsey at the Bears. He realised you've got to be more than just coaching the team. You've mm. got to be out there front and centre selling the code. And the code's flying up there. The only thing that's not flying until now is the sun. So <laughs> <laughs> the Bears. So what, what I have liked about Hardwick though is, and we talked about this during the week, Kane, that he hasn't shied away from expectation mm. he has put it on the line bottom line is we're here to play finals and i've got a i've got a side that's ready to play premiership well i think that's what you get with the experience i guess reading the the article that ash just referenced quickly on on chris scott like he, he says if things go well for us we're as good a chance as anyone to win it now yeah. he's not just talking fine not interested in just qualifying for no. finals he wants he doesn't want to rebuild he wants to win another premiership and that's the experience and uh, the standing in the game that Damien Hardwick brings to that footy club. I'm not interested in finishing 10th and spending three years outside the finals and rebuilding. I'm, we're ready to go now. Enough's enough. Like we're, we're in it and I'm in it to win it now. And I think that does lift the group up and go, hang on. Uh, no longer is it just acceptable for us to win 11 games and finish ninth. We're, at, we're actually in it. And our coach means business like Chris Scott has done or similar Longmire. Like Longmire wouldn't speak about missing finals if he was asked his expectation mm. would be to win it and I think that's the benefit you get with an experienced coach who's been there and done that it's very much and I know this wouldn't be um, uh, uh, deliberate but in some respects this is putting a hell of a lot of pressure on his game plan but it is also putting into context what he thinks about the previous game plan even though he's been mm. he's been quite complimentary of Stuart Jews saying what he's done for the club and blah 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 but if if he thinks he can take a club that finished 12th to essentially be in contention for a flag just by a change of game plan and a change of, you know, some uh, minutiae, mm. then it, it's it's very much, a, I guess, a, a focus on what's gone on. Question for you both, because you've been in the media for a while now. Do you think coaches are... They're speaking out more about expectation, aren't they? They used to be the old, we'll see how we go. And, but now, now some are. Some coaches are putting it out there. This is what... We're, this is what we expect to do this year. Ken Hinckley's another one. He, he's never been shy in mm. saying, this is my ambition for the team this year. Yeah, so some are quite strategic. I think Brad Scott's been really strategic at Essendon over two years now or two pre-seasons where he's not putting any expectation on it at all and he's not talking finals or, or any of that. 
and other coaches, you're right, Hinkley's done the same. Perhaps he's sort of backed away from being as bold as what he has been in the past. But look, I don't think there's any right or wrong. Like, I'm not critical of Brad for not setting that expectation with what has happened at Essendon. And equally, I really do like it when I see Chris Scott go, OK, they, this guy thinks he can win the whole thing. Like This must fill your supporters and your players with confidence. The same with Hardwick. So I think I'd lean towards that. Um, but I, I think it, you know there's different strategies for different clubs and, and where you're at. If you were Hutchie, would you let Jared Waitley uh, leave the core business of his uh, radio career to jump over to Channel 9 to do the Olympics? I would. And why would you what? do that? Because SEN doesn't have the rights to the Olympics. This gets them a foot in the door in the Olympics, in the, in the Olympic facility. And I think it's... Uh, so would you trade for it? Mm. Well, I don't know how would these things work, but I, I, yeah, I would, uh, I would allow him to do it. I think. I think it's more of a one for Foxtel. Would would Foxtel let Jared go on a rival TV network oh, yeah. like Eddie, Eddie Maguire has done? Mm. I think Hutchie would let Jared go, and I think there'd be a trade off there, and there'd be great coverage that SEM would get from him being there. It would more be would they let Jared go off AFL three sixty for three weeks and go on Channel Nine? Mm. Uh, I did predict this last year that. Uh, Nine would have a crack at yeah, um, Bruce McAvaney, yeah, you know, which, they, absolutely which did they clearly did. So, and seven... you went out on a limb with that one, though, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> massive prediction. <laughs> um, the, be- I... the best yeah. in the business you got. <laughs> Tell question. me which which coach is going to be under the most pressure this year. Uh, I would think, um, um, well, I think Ken Hinckley will be. Adam Simpson certainly will be. Uh, Simon Goodwin, I think, will be now with, with uh, what's coming out of Melbourne. Yeah, Longmuir. Longmuir. I quite like Freo. I think they're. I think Freo's uh, Mr. Monkey to have a very good season. Well, that's uh, the point. If they don't, then all of a sudden you're under the pump. Yeah, mm. they're, they're pop- they're, I mean, they're the same ones everyone's been speculating about. There are a few that are safe as houses, obviously. Did I, was I right in reading that Matt Hill will call footy on Fox Footy this year? In that same article, um, I heard his name. That, yeah, I read his name. Yeah, I think I'm right in saying that. So he's done some games for Channel 7, I think, and certainly some Olympics, but I think Fox still might, might have approached him. I know they were looking, for another, know they were looking f- for another ball He calls footy here, but I mean, yep. Fox still needs more calls for next season when they broadcast every game, the full production for nine games, so they're going to have to bring a couple of fresh mm. calls into the mix. Speaking of uh, blokes and stations having good cracks at opposition talent, um, and clearly uh, McAvaney, you predicted... And the other one I read there, Ash, was that uh, so clearly Jack Revolt's going to join Fox Footy, and uh, one of the big wigs at Fox Footy have said that he's the rock star of the group. Is is he is he a rock star? Or are they just going off the back of his singing the Killers after the twenty seventeen Grand Final? What what do you think his style will be? Will it be analytical like a like a King or a Buckley? Um, yeah, what, what what will he bring? Will it be hard hitting opinion? I think he might go down the hard-hitting opinion. I've got... I mean, his star rose on the back of the killers. With that, on the grand final night, without question, it's one of the greatest things, one of the greatest career moves anyone's ever done for Jack Rewan on that after that grand final. I think he'll be... I think he'll be pretty good, actually. I, I think mm. he's a guy... I mean, I've seen glimpses of it in his talking about footing. He's had to hold him, had to hold himself back sometimes because he was a player still for Richmond. But I think he'll be all right. I think it's clear that he's been identified for a couple of years by by Fox as, as a rising star. And uh, they're going to hand him some reins this year. I'm fascinated to see how he goes. Yeah, what's the best time slot for on the couch, Jared? 8.30. Yeah, so 6.30 for AFL 360. So hard up against the 
news outlets like in Melbourne. That you would think would be difficult. They'll replay it, of course. That's a benefit of Fox. And then on the couch at 7.30, what, what did you make of those changes? I think it'll be interesting because... And we haven't talked about the TV news wars. Going, Hound Wars might have to come back this year, Joe. Mm. With the, oh, it's back. It's so, been good. It's been good. so far. Channel Nine might have the. I think yeah. Tom Morris got to a fantastic start. Yeah. But they're going to. They're not going to wait till six after the sports report at six forty-five to drop the big news. So the challenge for Fox Footy will be to react to the breaking news in fifteen minutes. It's going to throw their rundowns. Well, the challenge for Fox is to break some of their own news. Really, I mm. think that. Uh, that's something that they've lost with Tom, uh, or we've lost with Tom, and uh, I'd like to see someone else jump into that role. Yeah, they might need to lean on a few more of the Herald Sun. They've got some good, you know, there's some good reporters at the Herald Sun who they might need to start leaning on a bit more. You know, it's the same stable mm. technically. So that if, if if Tom or Mitch goes with a big story at uh, ten, five past six, which will be the sex, say the first or second item on the news, that'll give Fox Footy twenty minutes to react to be all over it for 360 at 6.30. They're looking forward to it. I was talking to Joe Whiteley about it. I think they're looking forward to seeing how that all goes, but it will put a bit of pressure on them. But also with time shifting, is it 6.30, 7.00? Does that really matter what time the show's on? Yeah, look, I don't know. I mean, for me, I'm only going off, uh, off uh, well, you know, what I did for 25 years or whatever it was. 8.30 seemed to be the prime time. At, although you're always up against really strong opposition on Channel 2 and or ABC uh, not so much on, on streaming services, mm. um, but it's very crowded now. I, I, you know, I'm not sure. Look, they would know. They'd be looking at the numbers, and I think at uh, 6.30, they'll go 6.30, 8.30 for, on, for 360, so they get two cracks at it uh, for at least yep. one day of the week. And uh, for one day of the week, they'll go 7.30, 9.30 for on the couch, so they'll be looking for two whacks. Or two licks of the ice cream there, which which used to work. I mean, I'm not sure what the numbers are for those shows anymore, but uh, um, it's it's a very crowded and competitive landscape. If you watch mm, your sport yeah. on KO now, which I mean a lot of people do, you just yeah. sit down and watch it after dinner. Yeah. Just, when you're ready. When you're yeah, ready to watch it. Exactly. You don't have to watch it live. And I think um, one of the frustrations around Footy Classified has been how late it has been on. I think they may be making a move there as well. Frustrating for me, KO. Yeah, putting it on at... 7.30, I don't think I'm speaking out of school on one of their secondary channels or on nine now, and then leaving it on the main channel in its usual slot, which I think would be would be pretty good for that show as well. I've never really quite understood the concept of the secondary channel at Channel 9. I mean, if it's on, if it's on, it's it's like if, you, if you're like me and you're basically just a pay-for-view watcher, as I mm. like selecting what I want to watch, when I want to watch it, if I'm watching a Channel 9 show... I couldn't care less whether it was on nine now or, yeah. or or the regulation station. Definitely, that's been our argument for some time. I think the the counter to that is once you leave the main channel, it's hard to get back on the main channel, and there's still some. But that's Channel Nine's that, fault for their, their poor yeah. thinking. I mean, they should be trying to promote both channels as main channels. Mm. Ash, we're out of time. We'll do it all again next week. Look forward to it.